like 20 is the 10th anniversary of LAG and the theme of this year is celebrating 10 years of LAG shaping the future of the field. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, conversations on learning analytics. This podcast series is produced by SOLAR, the Society for Learning Analytics Research, to engage the wider community with leading practice, research and key issues about learning analytics. My name is Maren Scheffel and I'm your host of this episode. In today's episode, we will take a closer look at LAC, the Learning Analytics and Knowledge Conference. With my guests, I will talk about what it is like to organize such a conference, and you will also get some insights into what will happen at this year's edition of LAC, the 10th anniversary of the conference. And it will take place in Frankfurt, Germany at the end of March. I have with me here four members of the organizing team from this year. I will let them introduce themselves. Hey, my name is Hendrik Draxler. I have the honor to be the local organizer of the LAC20 conference and I'm working at the Goethe University, what is the local location or the campus where we will host the LAC20 conference. And I'm also associated to German Leibniz Institute on Educational Research and Infrastructures, as well as to the Open University of the Netherlands. I'm very proud to have LAC in Europe back and make it a European effort. We really uh, aims to not make it a German invitation, make it a European invitation for all LAC scholars to come to Europe and discuss latest insights into learning analytics research and practitioners as well at the campus in Frankfurt. I'm Grace Lynch and I'm the executive manager for the Society for Learning Analytics Research. I have been involved with SOLAR from almost the very beginning. And one of the roles that I've taken on is looking at the management and oversight of the overall learning analytics and knowledge conferences. I think, too, one of the things around the conference um, is understanding where, how it works, how it hangs together, all of those sorts of things. My background actually is mathematics, and I am a professor of learning analytics at two different universities in Australia. I am located in Melbourne, Australia, and I do still have PhD students in learning analytics. My name is Vitomir Kovanovic. I'm one of the program co-chairs for LAC20. I was also web chair and local co-chair at LAC16 and poster chair at LAC19. I've been involved in learning analytics for quite a while and I finished PhD two years ago in learning analytics at University of Edinburgh. I'm currently working at University of South Australia. Hi, I'm Nicole Hoover. Uh, I am the Solar Event and Management Coordinator. I started officially working with Solar back in the fall of 2017, um, but I first learned of Solar through my role when I was employed at Marist College, and I helped organize LAC15 in Poughkeepsie, New York. I came on board and now I help with all aspects of events and helping the society with organizational procedures. We've created a LAC handbook to kind of help with the organization as the conference continues to grow. My background is not analytics. It is in business, so I have my bachelor's and my master's of business administration. I get to stay at home with my uh, young daughter and I'm expecting baby number two in April of this year. 
Even though Solar is a fairly young society and Learning Analytics a fairly young community, the LUC conference is the biggest conference in the field. Um, to what extent do you think you as organizers are steering or influencing the way things in the Learning Analytics domain are developing by the way that you organize the LUC conferences? I think one thing that as, a, as an organizer we can do is looking at how we the thematically group papers together, how we can look at what's happening, how we look at who we choose for keynote, how we look at how we can promote and look at the sorts of things around what are the new emerging ideas, how we can look at keynotes who are more provocative um, to look at so that ones who will challenge the status quo, who are actually coming from outside of the field of learning analytics and can help us look within ourselves as well, as well as provide some critique to us. So as an organizer, I think looking at those sorts of things helps to shape how it continues to grow, how we learn from it there and how it continues for the future as well. Uh, on top of that, I also think that as organizers, we have the opportunity to take feedback from participants, which we really do look at. Everything is anonymous, the, the survey that we send out, um, but we do review the comments and the rankings of things. If something didn't go well or they want to see something new, uh, we do note that and have conversations about it so that we can make changes for the future. What is your view on this, Vita? Do the program chairs influence the domain with their work and involvement during the LUC conference? I don't think it steers a lot. It's more, I think, driven to the process of having the strong and quality papers published in the field. In terms of the, what topics going to be researched, I don't think we have much influence, and we shouldn't because that's something researchers themselves decide. We still steer it a bit, for example, we're choosing up things like, for example, last year was the topic of, of inclusion and diversity. That certainly steers a bit that researchers start researching a bit that topic or, or, or think about uh, diversity inclusion while they're doing their studies. Uh, however, I think it's, it's more on the process side. Speaking about themes, what is the theme of LUC20 and why was it chosen? The theme of this year is celebrating 10 years of LUC, shaping the future of the field. LUC20 is the 10th anniversary of LUC and uh, we really wanted to have a theme that is both looking at the future but also reflective of what, what we've done for the previous 10 years. That was the reason for picking this theme and to see what, what are the main problems that we were solving over time and also that we wanted the authors themselves in their papers address how they see the future of the field shaping. This uh, this year we also had one thing that's, uh, that was really unique, uh, that's a special type of papers, they're more position papers and opinion papers on the future of the field that were really fitting to the team. How much are chairs and organizers able to innovate or do differently from previous editions of the LUC conference? Um, and what was done this year? One thing that's really good in that sense is that we have a strong team with Grace and Nicole and others who are here from year to year. And that brings really this organizational knowledge, how to do things well. 
and uh, over time we are changing that a bit but uh, I think life is pretty consistent which is a good thing after a few years of exploring different things many things settle down in a, in, in, in a good way we are still doing many new things year to year for example introducing the, the practitioner papers uh, introducing this new review process meta reviews and rebuttals there are some things that are changing but it's not good to change too many things at the same time Hendrik, you are the local chair this year. Luck will take place in Frankfurt in Germany at the end of March. Can you tell us a little bit about the venue of Luck20? So first of all, the campus as such is a highlight to, to visit um, because the campus is not that old. The University of Frankfurt is not that old. The building where we um, will be is a very historical place where the conference takes place is former known as the IG Farben building and it's a very iconic building at the campus west end it was constructed in 1930 as the corporate headquarter of the IG Farben company the world largest chemical company in the 1930s after world war ii um, the IG Farben building served as the headquarter of the supreme command and of the u.s from 1949 to 1952 and uh, notable eisenhower had his office in the building. After 1995, it was given back to the city of Frankfurt and the city of Frankfurt had this unique opportunity to think about what they want to do with the Higefarben building in the center of the city and decided to bring the university into the center of the city and surround it around the IG Farben building. So since 2001, it became the university. We will have guided tours to make this experienceable for the participants of the conference. Can the conference participants also look forward to any local specialties with regards to food or drink? Yes, indeed. One of the most famous parts is that they actually make wine from apples. Uh, over 250 years ago, there was a parasite that has fallen about the grapes and then there was no wine harvest possible. And the Frankfurt people decided to use apples to produce apple wine. And this became a very famous product in this region. What the Lactoini participants, for instance, could jump on the Apple Wine Express that drives through the city of Frankfurt and and you get served apple wine and get the history of the city explained while driving through the city of Frankfurt. Speaking of getting around the city, public transport is an important aspect of Frankfurt, isn't it? Yeah, public transport is an important topic for Frankfurt. So you find students there, you find the banking director, you will meet the mayor in Frankfurt that always used the public transport. So going with the public transport is really key to explore the city. And um, we could arrange that the public transport system offers a dedicated LAC20 ticket that you get. So you get a full week of public transport on free. That's so great. I'm sure people will be really happy to hear this. What can people expect with regards to the topics at LAC this year? Vita, could you maybe give us an outlook on some of the prominent topics this time around? Is there anything that sticks out? A couple of things that were very interesting to me was, uh, for example, growth of curriculum analytics. That's a thing that's been pretty prominent in the submissions, both rejected and accepted. Another thing, from a methodological standpoint, there were a lot of papers using epistemic network analysis, that was very, very interesting and people coming from all over the place, the papers from different continents, different research teams. So it's not something that's just been from one group of people who, who developed it. Among other things, program chairs are responsible for planning and structuring the presentation sessions, aren't they? Um, is there anything you would like to point out? What can the LAC participants look forward to? 
Mm. One thing that we do have this year, I'm, I don't think we had previous years, is we have also papers coming from other communities. We have a EDM 19 best paper and we also have a best paper from ACL Education Conference. Those are additional things that's something that's not commonly seen at Learning Analytics Conference, so I would definitely recommend those. We also try to schedule all the best paper nominees not to overlap and all of them are before the conference dinner on Thursday, so they when we are going to announce the best papers. What kind of session topics have emerged this year? Sessions on participatory design. There are also studies from cognitive psychology, which I find very, very interesting, uh, definitely new to me. And there are also some sessions that were just labeled as novel uses of analytics, uh, which are very, very different than previous. For example, studies about uh, learning with background music or uh, studies about uh, using analytics for academic integrity and, and so on. And Colin Grace, do you have anything you would like to point out in this year's program? Uh, I think the lack workshops and the panels um, will be interesting this year. Um, something new that we've tried, or the workshop chairs really worked on this, um, so thanks to them. They worked on grouping workshops into themes or common interests to prevent the workshops from conflicting with one another if they were uh, common themes. We have a large number of workshops once again this year, so it provides a lot of opportunities for our community to really engage with one another ahead of the main conference. And then the panels this year, they do really reflect the theme and helping us celebrate 10 years of lack, I believe, with the opening panel and the closing panel, highlighting people who have been here from the very beginning and then bringing in new perspectives from new researchers. We also have a Journal of Learning Analytics panel for the first time, which is going to be an interactive session with the editorial board where they're going to be discussing the rigor of such an interdisciplinary field and what does rigor really mean. Something else I would like to add about workshops, one of the other new innovating styles we did was including the K-12, to so the kindergarten to grade 12 group within the learning analytics community. From 2018 in Sydney, we have a full day workshop dedicated for school teachers, looking at how, look at analytics, looking at their students, looking at their particular challenges, which are quite different from post-secondary university and community college sorts of students. There's a number of ways where universities can learn from the schools as well as where the schools can learn from the universities. And we're very excited to have hosted in Frankfurt again this year for the third year, Lack Goes to Schools Conference, which has uh, wonderful funding that has been provided to us from the Jacobs Foundation, who does a lot of work within Germany. So I think it's very exciting to look at how the community continues to grow and be inclusive and include those wider networks. So not just focusing on university and university research, but focusing on schools going all the way down to kindergarten of how we can learn to continue to help students learn, how we can understand what's the best way to have an impact for all students to have success, regardless of what grade or level that they are. The key that I don't want to be missed is that learning analytics is about learning. It is about us understanding how we can improve learning and how we can provide better opportunities for our students to learn and be successful, as well as for our teachers, of what can they do to understand of what is effective and what can be done. So at the heart of learning analytics is learning, and it is around for students and teachers. And what keynotes will we see at LAC20? And um, why were they chosen? 
The first keynote was by Professor Shane Dawson, and he's been involved from day one in learning analytics and quite prominent figure in the field, and his keynote will be really reflective about what we achieved in the past and uh, looking forward. We wanted to have one keynote by one of the senior people to evaluation of what we did and where we are going. The second keynote is by Professor Milena Cvetkova from London School of Economics. She's a prominent computational social scientist. Her research been around using similar methods that we use, but for just general social science problems. For example, how trust develops in communities, how groups work, and so on. Her keynote will be around group learning analytics, how methods and techniques and knowledge from similar field can be used for learning analytics. So we wanted to have somebody who can you know, bring new perspectives. And the third keynote is by Professor Alison Hadwin from University of Victoria. She, uh, her talk will be around uh, self-regulated learning and its relation to learning analytics. So her work has been quite prominent in the field. And uh, uh, we wanted to have somebody from a theoretical side who will give reflection on what we are doing and how we are linking learning analytics to educational psychology theories. What are some of the things that have changed over the years? Uh, or will anything be done differently this year? I think as looking at feedback, of looking at as our audience has changed from the very early years of predominantly male, of coming into now that it is now 50-50 male and female, and we have a lot of young women researchers coming in, we've had to look at provide things such as a lactation room to be able to have looking at easy childcare facilities, to look at timing of when the events start. So understanding our audience and understanding the physical structure of changing, that is one thing that we've done. We have also done and provided more networking opportunities for people to meet together, to come together. We have put in mentoring programs for, again, to nurture our young emerging researchers with more established researchers of having those types of opportunities. So those are just a few things that have done differently on an organization point. We've looked at being able how we've put our streaming in. We've added in an additional question and answer session following the keynote address so that people who want to engage more with the keynote one-on-one -on -one can do it in a separate session rather than taking up that entire time within the opening act. So we're looking at the sorts of ways that we can do things to increase interaction between presenters and participants to get more of an experience. Because we know one of the key things is people come to a conference to meet and talk to other people. Listening to the presentations and listening to the papers and hearing is a very large aspect. Bumping into somebody in the hall and sitting and being able to have a, um, a coffee or a drink or to be able to share and to look at what's happening and to share details to continue collaboration in the future is equally important. And so providing lots of opportunities for those impromptu networking things to happen is important. Expanding time over lunch and the breaks is important. So while we're looking at how we can continue to grow and have all of the papers and expand from having only one stream to two streams to three streams to four, and at this time we will have the odd five stream timing to look at those things so that we can have those networking opportunities.
Yeah, I was going to say that the networking aspect of it is something that this year we're really focusing on promoting those network engagements and really highlighting them with communication ahead of time. We have the speed mentoring for the early career and PhD students that we will be marketing a little bit ahead of time so that more people will know about it participate, and also just providing a bit more structure to those networking sessions. Like Grace mentioned, networking is a huge part and a lot of the time it can happen organically, but for those people who are maybe newcomers or they just want to try to meet somebody new and there's no structure or we don't facilitate it, sometimes those conversations can be difficult to start. At LAC20, we're just going to try to structure it a little bit better, communicate it a little bit better so that we can increase those conversations that happen within an actual networking session about a structured topic potentially. One other change this year was making use of rebuttals and independent meta-reviewers in the paper submission and review process, wasn't it? Um, why was this done? The main reason was that learning analytics is itself is a very multidisciplinary field. So there are many people from engineering background and there are many people from social science backgrounds, from education, psychology, sociology, and so on. That's good, but it's also challenging for facilitating a quality peer review process. Having authors to say what they think about the reviews and to, to address comments by the reviewers would be a positive thing. And that's why we introduced rebuttals. However, often reviewers will not have time or will not want to change their original reviews. So we thought that it will work really well with the meta-review process. This year, meta-reviewer was the fourth independent person. The idea was he will see both sides of the argument. He will see the original three reviews and then the rebuttal and then make a final recommendation to program chairs. Did you already get any feedback from either authors or reviewers or meta-reviewers about the rebuttals? Yes, we got a couple of very positive um, comments from people who said really they really thought that the rebuttal phase enabled them to save the paper so it, it doesn't get rejected by reviewers who picked up incorrectly certain things. Uh, also seen from reviewers themselves that they are praising some of the rebuttals they received to help them to change their evaluation of the paper. I think they should stay for the next year as well. I think they improved the process. Uh, there were several papers who were quite affected by the rebuttal and separate meta-reviews. One thing people sometimes either worry or even complain about is the price of conference registration or membership fees or that it is unclear what the sponsoring money is being used for other than getting a venue and providing catering. Could you maybe elaborate on that a bit? This year, Solar, uh, with the help of our uh, sponsors, will be contributing over 40,000 US dollars to assist early career researchers and PhD students to attend the conference, to be able to look at and network and to meet with people to continue to work in the field of learning analytics. I think it's very strong from Solar as a society is that they have continued to do this not only for the learning analytics and knowledge conference, but also for our other smaller event, the Learning Analytics and Summer Institute. Solar is contributing this year for 2020 over 90,000 US dollars. So when we look at what's coming in from the registration revenue, yes, it's covering the registration revenue, but it's also enabling us to assist students to be able to attend, as well as early career researchers coming from developing countries 
such as Uganda, to be able to attend the conference where otherwise they wouldn't be able to. So solar very much puts um, the heart of where we're saying we're growing the community. We assist in growing the community with financial assistance. And it's from the very kind generosity of people attending the conference and our sponsors and our institutional members that allow us to do that. Hendrik, how was or better is it to be the local chair of a conference? I mean, at the end, it's very important to have a great team that supports you. When when I applied for the LAC20 conference, there was a funny quote from Abelardo Pardo, the president of the Society of Learning Analytics, who told me, yeah, that's all fine, great, you do this, and then at a certain point you go ballistic. It was kind of, wow, yeah, I'm, I will go ball ballistic, but he's very right. If you host something like LAC20, you go ballistic at one point and you cannot do that on your own. You really need to have a great team behind that. And that means you need to have a great local team that can promote the conference and do a lot of things there. Luckily, you get a lot of support from the Society of Learning Analytics Research, um, what is really highly welcome. So the work that is done by Grace and Nicole is amazing and it really helps to get things sorted out early. It is ballistic, but it's also until now a uh, walk in the park because everything goes very smoothly. So if someone now thinks, hey, I want to organize a luck as well, what should they do? In the first instance, all they'd have to do is to reach out to any one of the executive committee at any time. And there's information on the website where there's email address and they can just say, hey, I'm interested in hosting a LAC. Who do I talk to? And once they submit it, who do they come to? They come to Nicole and I. And then Nicole and I have a conversation with them. We say a little more detail, tell us a little bit about yourself. And we have some templates for an expression of interest that they can prepare very simple in the first instance to look at whether or not a little more detail we can find out about them as well as that they can understand what is the, um, the level of work and detail that it takes to, to host a conference and to do those sorts of things. And how else could people get involved apart from submitting a paper at LAC? We have a number of working groups, uh, which has events where people do not have to be on the executive committee. They can be involved, they can volunteer, they can look at those sorts of things. We have working groups around the, the Journal of Learning Analytics, around inclusion, around different events that we happen. We have an education committee. Uh, we have a website communications committee, so there's lots of opportunity people in the community can join in, as well as we have special interest groups. Uh, we have a number of different special interest groups, uh, one specifically run by students for students of joining, and again, people can join and participate in that without having to be at LAC. You can find out about it, you can participate, you can join, you can do it within your local community. We do actually capture and stream live and record the keynotes so people can listen to look at those sorts of things. We have a solar YouTube channel, we have podcasts, we have um, video webinars. So there's lots of opportunities for people who aren't able to physically come to LAC to still participate in LAC and to learn from LAC and learn from the learning analytics community helping review papers. Uh, we have over 200 reviewers around the world reviewing papers. People can volunteer to do that as well. The learning analytics community is quite a big one and is spread all over the world. So meeting once a year involves a lot of flying around. 
Lately, however, in many countries, more and more conversations and discussions have started about climate actions, environmental issues, flight shame. Do you see any alternatives that might help keep the community alive and connected while possibly reducing the carbon footprint? And um, would anything be possible instead of doing conferences? I think one of the things is understanding with the conference that, yes, we are very global, and because of that, we move the conferences around. So every year, the conference is in a new location around the world as well, not only in North America, but out through Europe, um, Australia, uh, Asia. So we've designed it to be able to have different people be able to fly shorter distances or be co-located close to the conferences. Understanding the differences, the, the community collaborates quite widely through the year and looking at that through remotely, even the executive committee, which is a global committee, only meet via video conferencing all around. The only time they physically come together as much as they can is during the Learning Analytics and Knowledge Conference. I believe there is still benefit of face-to-face -face networking that supplements all of that other work that happens in the other 11 and a half months of the year, and that it works well to be able to do it. By having it in different geographic locations, it's not the same people traveling or flying. Europe, we can take trains, people can locate around, we can look at those sorts of things. So we are conscious of that. And because of the collaborative nature of the community, I believe it does make sense to have a physical location where people can come together once a year face to face. How do the others see this? I don't think there will be uh, possible to, to have something different. However, we could have something in addition to this because conferences once a year, there are many things happening in the meantime. For example, things like local community gatherings could be one way. Uh, still, it will involve a little bit of travel, but uh, less than traveling uh, half around the world. I still think that you know, meeting people once a year uh, face-to-face and talking about projects, ideas is, is very helpful and a uh, you know, good way to move community forward. If you had only two years, then in that case it would be very hard to be frequent at certain locations and still having a space to, to come to new locations, such as Asia or Africa or Australia, South America and so on. I think to add to that, um, although our small little changes aren't going to impact it to the carbon footprint of hundreds of people taking potential flights around the world, um, this year we are trying a few new things. We're no longer doing conference bags. We are not handing out flash drives. That's going to be digital. Um, so we're also saving just on the materials that are not needed, not necessary. So we made the decision this year to kind of scale back on that a little bit and hopefully make up for it in other ways. But in the future, for planning events and things, we're talking about really encouraging people to bring their own mugs and reusables and things. So that's another thing, an aspect of conference. A lot of times, catering will provide paper products and things like that. So we're looking at all of those things, but being that we're still a fairly new society and the field is changing all the time, I don't know if change the cycle of the events would make the most sense at this time. Hendrik? We have been discussing that a lot actually also in the organizing team. At the current stage I see less opportunity for luck to replace parts of this with virtual technology or something. At the end we are humans and I think we need to meet and luck is in a stage that they need to still meet 
yearly um, to have the momentum and get the learning analytics field further developing. But um, we have certain measures that we try to contribute our part to um, reduce the carbon footprints. Um, just to give some examples for LAC20, we will not use any plastic at all. Um, it will all be sustainable materials. It will all be stuff that could be cleaned up. And so we will have glass and normal plates and so on. One other, other option and one important point to get luck also to Europe is to um, rebuild the learning analytics community network in Europe. And as the conference is traveling around the world, this gives opportunities for local chapters and to meet up <clears throat> and not be demanded to attend every luck conference in the world every year. And that could contribute also to reduce the carbon footprint. Thank you all so much for this nice conversation and for providing some insights and background information about what it takes to organize a learning analytics and knowledge conference in general, and also how it was done this year for LAC20. Um, at the end of every episode, we usually play a little game with our guests that um, is called Two Truths and a Lie, and they tell two truths and one lie about themselves. Instead of playing this game with each of you, Hendrik has prepared two truths and a lie about luck 20. In the last episode, we played this game with Ed De Quincey and Kenneth Holstein, and here are their answers. So, number one, I share a common ancestor with John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States. Number two, whilst working at the University of Greenwich in London, Thor The Dark World was being filmed on campus, and I ended up being an extra in a crowd scene. And number three, there's a conference in Montreal. My presentation clashed with a keynote by Sir Tim Berners-Lee, and as a consequence, I only have three people in the audience. So the lie was number two. Whilst working at the University of Greenwich, uh, Thor The Dark World was being filmed, but it was my students and not me that ended up as extras in a crowd scene. All right, and so for me, number one, I originally intended to go into art school, but somehow accidentally ended up in computer science. Number two, Immediately after undergraduate studies, I vowed to never become a researcher or do a PhD and instead briefly joined a group of anarchist robot puppeteers. Number three, when I was a teenager, I briefly ran away from home with nothing but $50 and a hamster in my pocket. We hitchhiked around the country together, but it didn't last long. That last one was a lie. I never had a hamster. And now for the two truths and a lie about luck 20. So the three things that I selected for this is one, due to German, Tradition, all student supporters will wear lederhosen or dirndls. Second, during the day, Frankfurt has twice as many people as inhabitants. Three, the university building was also known as the headquarter of the CIA and is formerly known the Pentagon of Europe. Ooh, those are nice ones. Luck student helpers in traditional leather pants and dirndl dresses, Frankfurt doubling its population during the day and the CIA headquarter with the Pentagon of Europe. I will not be guessing this time, but I am inviting all of you out there listening to take a guess. Let us know what you think. We will let you know the answer in our next episode. Thanks for listening to Solar Spotlight, conversations on learning analytics. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find all available episodes on SoundCloud and other popular podcast apps. Please join us for our next episode in March. In the meantime, look out for the upcoming webinar from Solar in February. If you plan to attend LAC20, you can still catch the early bird registration deadline, which is January 20th. Of course, regular registration is also possible after that. 
My name is Maren Scheffel and I have been talking to Grace Lynch, Nicole Hoover, Vitumir Kovanovic and Hendrik Draxler about the Learning Analytics and Knowledge Conference today. If you would like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag SolarSpotlight.